But here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Hello. Your co-host, Julie. Hey, how you doing? And someone's dog. Uh, your co-host, Thorsten. Hello. And your co-host, Jacob. There is no greater disability in society than the inability to see a person as more. I like it. What's that from? Uh, some schmuck called Robert M. Hensel. <laughs> I like it, though. Uh, friends, we have a guest joining us today for our topic who was brought to us by Julie. Julie, would you uh, introduce your friend, please? Yes, and, and first, I would like to admit that that's my dog and introduce my rat terrier, Maggie. Maggie. Uh, and <laughs> beyond that, <laughs> joining us on the show today is my longtime friend and content generator for the other show we are on is Chris Dodson, uh, otherwise known as Round Peg. Yay, Chris. <laughs> and you can decide whether or not I'm more or less important than the dog, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> and to I, preface, yes, Julie, you are allowed to sh- you are allowed to advertise. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the importance of the dog Maggie depends on whether you're a burglar or not. Two of her neighbors have burglarized. We have not. Maggie oh. is part of the reason why. Oh, and yes, Chris and I co-host along with a few other people the No Prisoners, No Mercy podcast on Apple. Is it only on Apple? Like you, you haven't put it anywhere else? Nope. It's only on Apple. Oh, you should. There are like 18 places you can put your podcast now. If you want, I can find an article to tell you how to do it. Yeah, you can put it on Google and Spotify and, 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 oh God, there's like eight of them. There's like for oh, Amazon, well, I, Amazon. I will, let you, I will let you enlighten me then. Love to expand our audience. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. They don't have to be just like, I remember the early days of podcasts where it was all Apple, but now there's like, like if you go to the spacegamejunkie.com site and you, you see the podcast entry, you'll see like sign up on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Amazon, blah, blah, blah. There's like eight of them. It's like eight or nine of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've been doing it since 2008. So we've been around a while. Right. I remember when the only alternative was podcast pickle. Oh, uh, days. What's that? I don't it, know was, that it was an old podcasting network that, that you could submit to other than Apple. Huh. And it was, the site was ugly, uh, but you know, they were all there. If you, if you did not have an iPhone or, or uh, an iPod, uh, then, then that's where you went. That was your pod catcher for a while. Unless you had a Zune. You could have had a Zune. <laughs> oh, Zune. <laughs> Adorable. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that after. But, uh, friends, today we're going to talk about a subject that is uh, of, of big importance, I think, to a lot of people, especially as we get older and games become bigger. Uh, we're going to talk about accessibility. Um, oh, hey, everyone in the chat. Good to see you. Uh, because... Games should be played by everyone. Uh, everyone should be, if if they can, have the ability to play video games because video games are are joyful, and and you shouldn't be denied that joy. And more and more developers and publishers are realizing this. 
Like for example, on the on the stream behind us, we have Far a trailer for Far Cry Six going because, uh, Far Cry Six has really impressive, um, really impressive accessibility options. Uh, e- even if you don't really need them, there are accessibility options for like it visually tells you where there's a sound. So like if there's like an animal to your left, it'll say animal with a thing pointing. It's really impressive. I've not, I don't think I've seen it in another game actually, besides these far cry games. Um, so making it easier for people of all ability to play these games is something very important. And, uh, Spaz, I think, um, you had some, uh, foundational stuff you wanted to talk about in terms of uh, accessibility. Right. Right. Uh, I, I put down four statements that, uh, that I wrote up before the show and the, the intention here is that we should all be able to agree on these four statements in order to have a discussion. And if anyone is coming into this and doesn't agree with one of these four statements, you're probably gatekeeping. And you should probably rethink your your stance on this issue because you're in the wrong. <laughs> and and that's really where that, that ends up. So the first statement is this. this. Difficulty, approachability, and accessibility are all related concepts. And there's some overlap between the three, but they are not the same thing. They represent a spectrum of the various barriers between the game and the player. Statement two, if a game includes more than one level of difficulty and players choose to play on an easier mode, that takes absolutely nothing away from the achievements of players who complete the game on the hardest mode or modes. If accessibility options are included to make a game more approachable to those with disabilities, then anyone who wants to play on hardcore mode you can choose to not use those options. That's totally your call. Statement three. A game may be approachable for most players while also being completely inaccessible to players with certain disabilities. The mindset should always be to reduce the barriers to entry so that more people can play. That does not mean that every game should have a quote-unquote easy win mode it means that the ability to play the game should not in itself be a barrier. Statement four. Everyone who plays games for long enough will eventually need some accessibility options, either due to illness, injury, or age. Disability is a spectrum, and multiple options are needed to account for all of those differences. When more people are able to enjoy games, everyone wins. Those all sound good to me. If anyone has a problem with that, you can either leave or you can do a little bit of soul searching and uh, try to realize why you have a problem with any of those. Uh, or you can type out a type out an angry comment so we can laugh at you later. Yeah. Well, we'll delete it first and we'll still laugh at you. But yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll laugh at you in you private. Really we'll laugh at you in private after we after we delete it. Uh, we'll uh, copy and paste the, it in uh, our private channel and then we'll delete it so we can still laugh at it later. Uh, Don't get us wrong. <laughs> we find hate comments on our this on our this like uh, on our podcast immensely amusing. Just to clarify, 
<laughs> we do love comments. We do love comments. So but those are our grand rules. Yeah, those no. are our grand rules. That, those are those are our establishing statements for where we're going with this discussion. And if you got a problem with that, you should probably find somewhere else to be because this isn't the show for you. I, I'm gonna, I'm just going to jump in. Uh, the, when you talked about difficulty, I was reminded of uh, the game I was playing this morning on the stream, Red Storm Rising, which has uh, four difficulty levels. This game came out in 1988, and it's got four difficulty levels. And I've been playing on the baby difficulty level, the uh, beginner difficulty level. And oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. This game still kicks my booty. Um, I was going to say, you're still getting your ass beat. Like, it's good that it has those options. Oh, my God. If 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 I was play- if there was no difficulty level, it'd be like, oh, that was a short game. One torpedo dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, if, yeah, if he, just, if he just slapped you into the third one from the bottom by default or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I am glad that a game like that has difficulty options because, um, because God, I mean, I can only imagine people rage quitting if it didn't so easily. Uh, but then I'm reminded of another game that doesn't have specifically difficulty options. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up Starfleet too, because I love it. You know that, but it doesn't have difficulty options. Rather it, it start it, it starts you off quote unquote, very simply and adds complexity as you go, which I think is also great. It has a good difficulty curve as yeah. is the technical term. Yeah. 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 It's got a very, it's you're pulling back layers of the onion as you go. It adds complexity as you go. It's got a really good difficulty curve as Shogun said. So uh, even back, even back in the day, uh, developers knew that um, sometimes you needed uh, more options which is good. But there were a lot of games that never had options. Uh, like arcade, a lot of arcade games didn't have any options. <laughs> you just jumped in, played for three seconds, died and put it in another quarter. <laughs> also argue though, back in the day that the games didn't have nearly the UI elements, the t- hot t- or the, the, Oh God, that's right. Cool tips. The, uh, you know, the, the, it, they just weren't as complicated. It was monkey see, monkey do. You know, something flashes on the screen. It's a very good indicator that maybe you should do something or you're going to die. Um, where, you, don't uh, you, know, a, you don't need accessibility uh, options for Super Mario Brothers, for the right. most part. Well, I mean, even say, you know, go back to X-Wing versus TIE Fighter or something, or, you know, those types of games. Your Your options were change your speed rotate shoot things uh, there wasn't uh, all these ui elements that were necessary in order to make the experience bigger you know the, you didn't have umpteen thousand things that you had to fight it was usually a fight between you and maybe two or three other things uh, part of that is of, of course from the uh, software standpoint because there's also potential like hardware limitations and not everyone has the motor capacity to use a certain type of controller and but that's that's another yes. thing entirely. I've got to uh, intervene here uh, because I ran the first time in, into problems in the mid '80s. I don't even remember the game. I I, I know, but it's exactly hmm. what uh, Julie uh, always says. Uh, it there was a there was supposed to be a red cross in, on the screen, and and I couldn't see it. Oh crap! Uh, yeah, I was wondering was, about that. Was, like. Because it was a rat, uh, I, I simply couldn't. I couldn't couldn't see, and uh, it was on, on some greenish type of uh, of background. No chance to see it. Well, also 
along the lines of what Spaz was talking about, those of us who are over 60, and I think I'm the only one at this point, is uh, a developer of my acquaintance whom Chris also knows when we were talking about games that require quick reactions and difficulty levels, he said, well, I can't play with people who have the reaction time of a rattlesnake on meth. And I have been faulted for that in various different competitive game. And when people find out how old I am, they say, uh, well, you know, you can't, one person actually said, you can't be as old as you say you are because nobody over 30 plays video games. I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> I said, would you like me to introduce you to one of the people older than me who invented the, the online game? So there you go. There's another reason for difficulty settings. But yes, you more- mind that. Pong has been out since 1972. <laughs> There's also the fact that even even a decade ago, the average gamer is someone who grew up playing on consoles in the 80s or the 90s. And or even on, 10 years ago, the average gamer was around the age of 35. Well, so, here it was people who like played on the, on the Commodore 64 and uh, the Amiga, but Right, but the point is the same. It's the same generation of players who were born in the 80s or early 90s and are still playing now. And, you know, they, speaking of the rattlesnake on meth twitch mechanics, even, even in the multiplayer first-person shooter genre, there has been some ascent to difficulty and just purely based on... I, I played a game called Combat Arms, which would uh, had a series of servers that you could play on, and you could get matches, but it would base it off your ca- uh, you know your kill to death ratio. And so, if you were under say 0.6, you could play on a particular server. But if you averaged over 0.6, it would kick you up to the higher echelons. So, if you hmm. did have an issue where you know your your Twitch mechanics weren't great, you could still play. And you could still play with other people at your difficulty level. And I think I, the the major argument that could have been made towards those four points is, well, what about multiplayer? You know, don't dumb down my game so I could play with you know with with people who are suffering from disabilities. Well, there's your answer. You know, you right. you have difficulty based servers, and uh, you know the people that average over under. You can you can put them in it, slot them in a category, and then gatekeep the people that are too good for that from getting on those servers so they don't end up ganking people. Oh my god. I Nowadays wish... we just <sighs> sorry, can I speak up? Nowadays gonna... we just have a ranked mode in games, which that's how that that's literally what this does. I was really that's gonna say what this does. I was really gonna say I wish the Titanfall two servers had that kind of mechanic because damn it's needed. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, okay. <laughs> the thing is that mechanic is called skill based matchmaking and it has its own set of problems, as a lot of people can like have evidence in that the determinants of skill are often rather arbitrary, fickle, and don't fit in all that well. As well as what, the t- as well as like the actual brackets between certain uh, between certain skill levels are also usually delineated arbitrarily and can. Point being, it's not easy to do. 
I would think the kill to death ratio would be a good uh, solid metric for that. Wouldn't wouldn't it? Kind of. The problem is in most games, KDR is not the determining factor in winning. Uh, like mm. in most, like the overwhelming majority of games, especially in competitive settings, run on the objective play. If you think of anything from Call of Duty to League uh, of Legends, that's, that's they true. run that's true, on yeah. objective play. So you're not. And what constitutes you're, 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 a, you're, Yes. No, you're not killing things. You're taking things, and that doesn't yes. affect it. And what uh, constitutes a victory or a kill or an assist, like how much a kill or an assist contributes to victory, is much harder to determine on an individual level. So what most matches do is just match you up based on relative performance. It was like winning or losing the match. The that then runs into problems of, uh, of for example, getting screwed over by a particularly bad teammate, and. Uh, and suffering because because of that, despite you yourself being good or at least average, but someone who's particularly garbage winds up bringing the whole team down, and you get the idea. This it's, this this is why all games should be this is why all games should be co op, like Deep Rock Galactic. This is why every game should I be co op. Agree. <laughs> no, no, no more. Well, I mean, if it if it offers multiplayer, it should offer a co op option rather than just be forced PvP in all cases, because then you'll run into cases where you have people who are like me. I'm legally blind. I've been legally blind my entire life. My eyesight reduces my reaction times. I can't compete in most Twitch-based shooters because of this. But that doesn't mean that I'm unable to play. It just means I can't succeed. On the other hand, that does mean that certain games are inaccessible to me because of that requirement, that that Twitch gameplay requirement of having those very fast reaction times. And then, of course, if you're getting sniped from across the map and you can't even physically see who is shooting at you. Yeah, that's not fun. That's not fun. It's kind of, yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's a task that that just doesn't become fun. Specific, excuse me. Specifically because of this, I, I played a lot of World of Warships because that is like the old man, you know, broken, <laughs> destroyed version of an FPS. Because, oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you're, there's no such thing as being one shot in World of Warships. It's uh, it, it can happen, but it's literally a dice roll. Uh, yeah, death strikes do happen, and occasionally you do right. get citadeled if you do something stupid, but, but right. you don't just get removed from the game when you make one mistake. Right, because strategy is more important than, like, your your aim and a p- particularly well-placed strike is nice, but, you know, in, in World of Warships, it's not where you shoot... But sometimes not shooting, which is the the better play. It's, and so I tend to focus more on games that that rely heavily on strategy or my placement or something to that effect over you know a free for all team base, you know, shoot 'em up. Yeah, I can't handle those either. I don't even have horrible eyesight and I can't handle those. It's just <laughs> I, I just don't. And then there's me. <laughs> oh, how, how so? Uh, and then there's me of 
of casually attempts to play playing Escape from Tarkov and suffers immensely because of it. Oh, <laughs> why would you do that to yourself? I'm <laughs> not going to say on the podcast because the reason is very stupid. <laughs> That's fair. But uh, I've watched some video of that game and just, just, just watching the video makes me tense. Like, I can't imagine playing that game. <laughs> watching the videos like it, oh god i'm anxious right now i gotta stop watching it's it. extra bad for your blood pressure yes <laughs> yeah i yeah that game just just does not like i i fernando here's an interesting thing fernando said that one of the most surprising things to me is the amount of cheaters in multiplayer competitive games why is that surprising <laughs> it, it isn't it shouldn't the point be is to be if the if the measure of success is winning Winning by any means necessary becomes enticing. Have you seen how many dicks there are online? There's so many assholes. <laughs> this should well, not be in, surprising. Along those lines, and I know there's going to be a lot of people who do are cheaters that don't care. And I've had people say, well, you know, uh, you don't have a, well, I don't have a visible disability. I have two invisible disabilities. And yes, I have had people say, well, what, can't you see that red cross down there? And I said, no, I'm colorblind. How do you drive? I can, can't see certain shades of red and green. I can't pass the little dots in the circle thing. And I've even lost a friend over this. But I said, also bear in mind, if somebody isn't disabled in any way they might know someone who is and i said i was raised by a mother who has cerebral well i guess had now at this point but who had cerebral palsy and in professional capacity more than once i have told higher ups to go f themselves over the whole thing and uh so that's why I care, because I've got friends who need accessibility features. You know, friends like Spaz and friends like Chris and people like my mom. And even if the game itself doesn't require an accessibility feature, when I was a game master for a private Ultima online server, there was one individual he had mobility issues, and that game was his only way of getting out of the house. <sighs> that brings up I'm going to bring up something that oh, I, oh, I thought was Wait, interesting that Total Biscuit once talked about. He used to do these very deep dives on when he reviewed a video game, and he would specifically spend an inordinate amount of time on the options. On the FOV sliders, yes. Yes, and... and uh, he actually mentioned once, uh, because people were constantly complaining about that. And he said, look, this is the one place where the developers kind of show their butt, so to speak, as to the arrogance that they have towards their player base. Because more options means that they are willing to recognize that the players might play their game in a way that they didn't originally intend. And might be the difference between somebody being able to play the game or not. And I have found that I tend to lean towards, because uh, I myself am visually impaired. I have a very rare condition called Stargardt's disease. And uh, so I have no central vision. I have all peripheral. So I can see, a, you know, I, I basically tell people I look at life through, out, out of the corner of my eye. 
both both literally and metaphorically. And so I tend to lean towards games that a uh, encourage modding because those modders will chances are have some form of mod that's going to make my gaming experience easier to deal with. And so therefore I'm going to be spending less time fighting with my disability and more time uh, fighting with the actual antagonist that's, that they're meant for me to uh, interact with. And uh, number two, those that do tend to have a lot of uh, options within the, you know, the UI specifically, well, like one thing that I've always found very frustrating, I, I tended to gravitate towards MMOs because, you know, it's a little like your your level of engagement is kind of up to you. Uh, like, for example, I, I play a lot of Black Desert and I do a lot of life skilling in there and I pretty much play Black Desert like most people play like Harvest Moon. Yeah, so a lot of condolences. So, uh, but you know, it, it gives me an excuse to uh, listen to a lot of audiobooks while I'm just doing a thing on screen. Uh, but totally the, the one thing that I find absolutely disgusting with a lot of MMOs is they won't allow you to move the minimap. They they might allow you to resize, refont, it, put it anywhere on the screen you want to, uh, with every other window. But by God, that minimap has to be in the top right corner. And I'm sure there's a coding reason for that, but it infuriates me to no end because because that minimap's in the top right corner, I tend to use a very large monitor. I mean, I actually downgraded. I used to have a 40-inch television that I used for a monitor, and I practically made out with that puppy on occasion. Uh, but when that minimap's in the top right corner... I almost have to stand up to see it. So therefore, minimap doesn't exist for me, and it doesn't in any MMO. And so any information that that developer thinks should be on that minimap is just essentially gone to me. Mm. And I find that profoundly frustrating. Uh, but other than that, I mean, like, uh, so your your major MMOs out right now, like your Final Fantasies, your your Elder Scrolls Online... Uh, all of those have at least some form of modding, or you can really manipulate that UI, which I do like. But for some reason, the holy cow is is the the mini map, and 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 the mini map is just atrocious if you're visually impaired in any way, shape, or form. I mean, it's 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 literally the the black hole where the game goes to suck. Oh God, I had no idea. Yeah, fully agree with that. Uh, especially, I come back. I come back to my own uh, colorblindness uh, right now. Uh, there are often uh, shades of red or green used that, that I can't that I can't really really see, and uh, that's sometimes uh, a, a bit um, infuriating. I would say. Yeah. Have you found that there are any particular games that you couldn't play before someone modded in the ability to allow you to play it? Like, is there a game that was basically saved by mods in this regard? Anyone think of one? Well, World of Warships was for me. Um, I, even World of Tanks. There, there was a really weird mod that I didn't really expect to be all that useful. In World of Tanks, they had a mod that that turned everything nighttime. Because one of the things that I suffer from is light sensitivity, 
and a lot of games they really like their brightness and and mm. you know sun shadows and 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 you know light beams streaming directly into your eyes well when your pupils don't dilate at the correct speed that is headache inducing mm. and so i found it strangely really easy for me to play the game after world of tanks allowed me to make it nighttime all the time and be all the tanks had headlights so i could actually pick the tanks out far easier with the headlights than i could with them normally in the daytime and so i could actually get on target a lot faster that way uh, there, there was a few other mods here and there, like uh, World of Warships had a thing. I really struggled seeing the smoke stacks in World of Warships. And that's how you determine the speed of the ship that you're looking at. Like, you may know, okay, that's a cruiser. It's probably going to go around 30 knots. And that would tell you where to lead the target. But the smoke stack would tell you if they were at full speed, three quarters, half, quarter, going backwards. But I couldn't see the smoke stack. And so they did come up with a uh, a mod that would it wouldn't tell you what speed they were necessarily going at, but it would tell you if you, they were going forward, uh, if their engine was in the off position, or if it was going backwards. And that made a huge difference for me uh, of knowing where to lead the ships. And if you're playing a battleship and where you can only fire every thirty seconds, that's kind of important in details that you need to know. Yeah, that's entirely fair because, uh, as I mentioned in the 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 uh, opening statements, disability is a spectrum, and what some people need will not necessarily be what other people need in order to fit their disability. Their their disability may be completely physical, where they only have the use of one limb, and there are some people who are paraplegic and still able to game because there are accessibility controllers that have been designed for their use. And that's awesome. Uh, but a game that doesn't allow you to say rebind the controls will make that completely inaccessible to them. So that's why this, this topic is so important for so many people who might otherwise be invisible. They might be thrown under the proverbial bus if developers weren't able to figure out ways to make things more accessible for more people. And fortunately, on a related note, more uh, developers have been actually doing that. They've been hiring groups of accessibility experts to deal with a range of accessibility issues from colorblindness to legal blindness to uh, physical disabilities and that's great. It's a good step. It's it's not the only step, but it's a good step forward. We'll say one of the other game changers specifically for me over the years was uh, if you have a visual impairment, chances are that uh, if you're and if you're of a particular age, I must say, you probably mm. interacted with Zoom text which was a program that was specifically a magnifier for Windows itself. Yep. And it was diabolically opposed to any sort of video game being played at the same time that it was engaged. And uh, it was a memory hog. It was something that was developed in the 80s. I mean, I used it specifically during like 
what was it? DOS 3.0. <laughs> so it's been around for a long time. Oh, wow. yeah. Wow. Whew. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I, I gamed. I mean, my first computer game experience was like a breakout ripoff on a Trash 80. Uh, uh, yes. That was my first so, I mean, it was a Trash 80. Yeah. It, it, ours was like the, the super sexy model that had a five megabyte hard drive. It what? Was, wow. What? Yeah. I didn't know Trash 80s had hard drives. Yes. It, it, you had to get the super sexy model. Well, oh actually, or, my, my dad actually knew a computer programmer that put one in there for us. Oh, so, man. I had, a cassette, uh, yeah, it was, I had a cassette tape drive on mine. That was as far yeah, the, as I went. <laughs> yeah, this well, the hard drive was. I mean, it was practically the size of a, of, of a modern day laptop now, but uh, actually, it was thicker than one. But uh, yeah, it was crazy. But um, I, the, they had DOS even back then. But for me, I think it was about Windows Seven Service Pack Two. They updated Windows Magnifier. Because it was a hot mess prior to that. As you uh, mentioned. Uh, but they, when they allowed, uh, when they created a, a full screen version of Windows Magnifier that actually worked properly and functioned pretty much exactly like Zoom Text, but didn't chew up, you know, three quarters of your RAM in order to do it. Uh, I find myself, like, for example, without Windows Magnifier, I could not even play Black Desert just because of the. You know, they've modified the font from Korean font, which is teeny tiny, and it does not go with alphanumerics at all. Uh, and even still, it's it's kind of hard to read. There's a lot of times where I'll look at the name of an item and then go look it up online because the tooltip's just impossible to read. But I can play because of Windows Magnifier inside the video game. And there's a lot of times where UI elements that otherwise are inaccessible to me are now accessible because of Windows Magnifier, as odd as that is. And so there are certain tweaks that are outside of the gaming sphere. And this, this is why I'm not much of a console gamer, because my options are so few. It, I have no recourse. If, if I'm playing, say... Uh, well, I'll give a recent example. I, I bought uh, the Ace Combat game on the PS4, and it came with Ace Combat 5 from like the PS2 era, and I couldn't play the new one, but I could play Ace Combat 5, <laughs> and it was literally down to the UI elements. Oh, no. Uh, because the newer, the newer Ace, Ace Combat, the arrows that indicated where your target was relative to you were an outline whereas they were a bar in Ace Combat 5. And so because it was only an outline in a, in the newer game, I literally couldn't play it. Plus, I couldn't... It was the same color as all the clouds. What? It, so there was, like, no contrast between <sighs> the cloud and the HUD. And there was no way to change that. And it was a complaint that was registered multiple times with people who did not have disabilities. And the response was developer has no, no plans to change it. I'm like, you can't change the color of the HUD to be a little more user friendly. 
Uh, it was it was despicable, and and we do seem seem to have more issues with that with games that are in Asian countries, like Asian developers. Uh, they seem to be a little less um, accommodating, and a lot of that's down to culture. Like I, I believe, like the Japanese, uh, it, it, you know, if you were to literally translate disabled it would be like low person like just just the vernacular that they use to describe people with disabilities and specifically in japan is awful yeah let me let me just jump in on that for a second uh yeah part of that is is cultural as you mentioned there is uh there is a mindset unfortunately it's been around for so many years that uh disabled people in Japan should be sort of invisible because by, by raising a stink about accessibility, you're rocking the boat and rocking the boat is considered socially unacceptable. So if someone gets bullied and they happen to be disabled, an unfortunate question ends up being, well, what did you do to bring that about? What is your responsibility in being bullied? Did you, did you cause this? Oh no! And again, that is an unfortunate mindset that is that has pervaded the culture, and it needs to change. It has been changing. There have been more uh, more steps forward in accessibility in the last few years, but unfortunately, there is that mindset that's still around. Uh, I've got to say that was. In the past, a, a, a thing here in Germany too. Uh, I I can I can remember uh, exactly that issue uh, uh, back from the from the uh, late seventies, early eighties. You had to conform into society with uh, without uh, uh, standing out. It's it wasn't wasn't that extreme as as uh, as in Japan, but uh, it was there. Let's put it that way. Wasn't there a time in like the from like the fifties to the nineties where being left-handed was considered a disability? Yep. Well, yes. Okay, it was yeah, longer yeah. than that, but like, yes, I, wasn't I, it I, until very recently that it stopped being that? Yep. Yep. Yes. They tried even to, literally yes. demonized at one point. Like they, you were a tool of the devil if you were left-handed. Yeah. Well, uh, shit. <laughs> yeah, and that the the thing with that is that. Um, uh, People tried to force people to be right-handed, even if they were, if if they were born left-handed, uh, it was something to be uh, stigmatized. And um, it wasn't but, until yeah, it wasn't until the, the last few decades where where uh, that that particular mindset finally started to die out. Um, I suffer from exactly that, and uh, it caused that my handwriting was. Uh very, very bad in school and uh, the teachers uh, looked after this, this handwriting and I've got into problems with that. Let's put it uh, that way. Oh no. Nobody, nobody, nobody uh, interests, uh, nobody interests for my handwriting today, nowadays. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not left-handed, but I do have a writing disability that nobody would know about unless I told them or if they saw my writing, for example. But, oh wow! I had no idea. 
Yeah, I, it doesn't come up because usually I end up typing. But there's this this weird disconnect between my brain and my hands when I try to write. It ends up being a problem. It's all, one of the reasons why I ended up not pursuing a teaching career. Um, because you, you dodged a bullet there, sir. You dodged many well, bullets yeah. there, sir. <laughs> it's a different kind Married of bullet to a school than teacher, everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, I would have been teaching history. At least, at least the majority of people I would have been teaching would have been, well, they they would have been a little bit more mature, uh, especially since it would have been history specifically that I've been would have been working with. But the point is, I decided against that career specifically because of my disability, and that I would have to do so much handwriting yeah, that my- other people would have to be able to read. My grandmother used to joke about how she was left-handed, but they forced her, and this was in the 30s, uh, how they used to uh, force her to try to write right-handed. And uh, joke, quote-unquote, as in, as in laughing through trauma, which is what people did. <laughs> because there wasn't Back a then? voice. <laughs> True. Okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's becoming less of a thing, thankfully. <laughs> um, you, you know, I had a friend had emphasis that um, at one point he made fun on Facebook of people who were colorblind and thought nothing of it. What? And yeah. And in the end, I just told him, I said, look, this has consequences. You don't understand. I said, I was in the army, but my first choice was the Navy and my colorblindness kept me from being, a pilot because otherwise I passed all the tests with flying oh, no. colors. And uh-huh. I, and I told him, I said, you know, maybe I can't see all the colors, but I can see true colors uh. when it comes to people. And also an example of a game. Sometimes developers do listen. And I want to laud this particular developer. And the game is called Octopath Traveler. And they went out and they took a survey of all of their users. I said, what different features do you need? And one of the things they added, because at first, this game had tiny, tiny text. And if you were playing it with any kind of handheld you can just forget about it. So back four years ago, this developer added adjustable font size just for that purpose. So bravo, Square Enix, in that one regard. I, I, I got to give, I mean, I've been playing a lot of um, Final Fantasy fourteen, and Square Enix, I think, does a pretty good job of making that game pretty accessible. I've noticed in the options, there are a ton of options move things around and make things bigger and that sort of thing. So I've actually just mentioned because I went up there and check the entire UI is highly customizable in every conceivable aspect. Oh, that's uh, good. For the most part. Yes. So, so, so like round peg mentioned earlier about not being able to move the mini map. Well, in that game, you can. Oh, good. Very much doable. What a plus are in the yeah. middle of the screen. Yeah, it's one of the few that that uh, that's why I, I did mention that one in Elder Elder Scrolls uh, because most like Black Desert you can't. There, there's actually several you can't. And by the way, Final Fantasy fourteen you used to not be able to. Oh. That was something that people screamed about. And, and uh, during general 
general UI customization. Yeah, I, I remember. Oh, yeah. Good on that. Because it was in because I started playing back when A Realm Reborn came out, and it was not available then, <laughs> and people were apparently really hammering on it. Like I didn't even say boo about it, but apparently a lot of other people were, and it was like you know huge victory for the. For the fans, because apparently thousands of, upon thousands were screaming about it. Wow. Yeah, because a lot of people screaming about that would be like high-level World of Warcraft players who wouldn't necessarily want like specifically mini-maps, but specifically just every conceivable option for UI customization. Because for high-level play, being able to sort out your UI is critical. Being able to readjust every possible keybind is the... The more you can adjust the game, because the thing is, workouts successfully need the options. Some people need those to play it like a an average level, but like top tier people need those so they can play how they, so they can play at their best. That's just how it works. Like if you look at any uh, kind of like highly competitive uh, raid player or raid player in like a shooter or League of Legends, they always have like 57 re- readjustment UI mods. So they will like switch their fight. So like, for example, I've seen in uh, Counter-Strike, some of them switch their gun to the left side of the screen because uh, it, works better on center map that level of stuff hmm. Hmm. You know, gamers are anal retentive bastards absolutely but true. if we could <laughs> if we can benefit from it then i'd say sod it yeah i agree i i was going to bring up it, it is strange that and uh, especially, uh, I live here in America, and um, I'm sorry. We have so many third rail subjects whenever it comes to comedy. Uh, you know, now now comedians are being attacked on a regular basis for some slight comment that they make. Uh, but for some reason, being blind or deaf is fair game, and I've never understood that. Huh. Uh, that uh, you you can't you can't make a a joke about race, gender, sexual preference, any of those types of things. But, you know, make a blind joke, go right ahead. It's fair game. And I've hmm. I've always found that bizarre, and yet at the same time, I'm not mad. I, in fact, I'm kind of happy to a certain extent, because I don't care if you make fun of my visual impairment, as long as it's funny. It better be funny. If it's low-hanging fruit, I'm going to give you a hard time. Uh, but I, I do find it strange that the cultural zeitgeist allows for making fun of people who have a difficult time in life because of physical issues, uh, but yet there's all these other sacred cows that can't be touched. I, I've never quite understood that, but you know, you start to see. I've noticed uh, there. There's been members of the trans community that are very con- uh, upset about. Of voice comms and games because they're they feel like it outs them and it can lead to bullying and stuff and i feel like if you're gonna have that conversation then you should be able to have a conversation about visual impairments within video games and sometimes developers will be more willing to talk about that than they will people with physical disabilities and i've i find that to be really odd hmm I think there's an answer for that, and it's not a comfortable one, but the answer is that there is a pervasive idea that invisible disabilities don't exist. Mm. There is this mindset that, that it leads to the idea that some people will say, 
oh, well, some games shouldn't be for everyone. And then they just leave that argument there. They don't try to examine the nature of the argument any further than that. They just think, well, not everybody should be able to play, and they don't care. They refuse to elaborate and leave, yes. Right, right. And this happens with a lot of games. Um, the From Software games are an obvious example. They got brought up a lot because some people don't want difficulty options or accessibility options to be added. Why? Why don't they want them added? Because they want to be able to say, well, I beat this game on the on the difficulty as intended, and that makes me special. But well, I, you know, I'd honestly make an argument with Elden Ring because specifically the game mechanics are so centered around difficulty. Like, I don't know how you would introduce, I guess if the game was just, uh, like, just didn't do as much damage, you can stand there and be a damage pinata. Yeah, like, that's... I don't... Like, there is I, an I, easy way out in making an easy I, mode. Right. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm legally blind. I've never played a Souls game. I've never played Elden Ring. I didn't play Sekiro. And, but I enjoyed the living crap out of watching people fail at it. That was my, that was my glee. That, that was the game for me. I can't tell you how many times I saw my friends playing Elden Rings or Dark Souls and I would send them in Steam chat, watch out for that, dot, 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 never mind, you died. And then I would get an re angry reply to that of, yes, I did, you asshole. Just and that was luck. and that was the greatest source of joy for me i mean i can't tell you the absolute loving joy i mean i would bring a tear to my eye every time that happened and then when i got on discord the next night i would get a whole story of of, of you know the build up the drama and then you know, enter stage right is my comment, and then disaster, and uh, and and so then Very I get tough. the story twice, and that is that is that is Elden Ring for me. No. So if you can't play the game, play the meta. <laughs> I would like to make a comment that is a really petty, but also b extremely funny. <laughs> Sometimes in gaming, you got to make your own game. It doesn't necessarily need code. We had an entire game in our Discord channel of pointing out when people were bad at video games. I mean, when we once all got together and played Black Desert, and the joke was, who was first to say, hey, so-and-so, they respond, yes, and you say, you're bad at Black Desert. Because if you've never played Black Desert, it has so many gaming systems that are completely alien to anything else that invariably you're going to be bad at Black Desert. Yeah, I've heard. It's why it's why I decided to stay away from it to the best of my abilities. And also because the classes don't really appeal to me, but that's just me. Um. <laughs> now, on the topic of joking about people with disabilities, I have more on more than one occasion during our streams, when Brian and I stream games, where I'm the one driving, I will make a comment of, hey, who let the blind guy drive? I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me. I'm the blind guy. <laughs> <laughs> Preach 
it, brother. Preach it. Never. <laughs> Funny. Well, Sorry. You know, sometimes I wonder, and I gave you an example, a good example of developer listen, but here's a bad one. And I wonder sometimes if developers don't make accommodations for this because sometimes they're just totally oblivious. And a good example was, a, I don't even know if it's still out there, it was based on a sci-fi channel game called, Defi- uh, series called Defiance. And the only text was a text box that was about the size of eight point font, and the text going blazing by was in six point font. And yet, at the time, the developer couldn't understand why there was no community behind the game. And it's like, well, that's because nobody can communicate with each other. And I wonder how many times it's just. Well, they don't even think about it. They're just oblivious about it. And I think one of the important things that we can do as gamers, whether we have a disability or not, is make sure that game developers, whether we have personal contact with them or not, are aware of the need. A lot of people, there's no hate or, 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 you know, active you know, marginalization. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've walked up to somebody and then they find out that I'm blind and you can just watch them freeze up like their entire body will lock. They and don't then they'll, know how to act. Yeah, they, do, uh, they don't. They don't know how to interact with you. And, and sometimes they'll say really stupid things. Like for me personally, a lot of people would say, how many fingers am I holding up? No. Gauge- oh, God. no. Oh, yes. What? You know what my response to that Come is? Come on. I flip them off and I say, how many fingers am I holding up? That's, and then that's awful. I got that once when I first got my glasses. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, <sighs> it's just, people don't know how to respond. You it's, it's the same thing. If, if a reg, two regular people that had zero disabilities walked up to each other and one person slapped the other, the person who got slapped would have the same reaction is if I had walked up, introduced myself as a blind person. They just don't know what to do. Chaos has ensued. Their entire world has shifted, and they just don't know what to do. They, they plaster on a plastic smile and wait till it's going to all be over. And unfortunately, and, and I don't hate them for that. They just don't have any frame of reference. And so, you know, sometimes it's really important as a disabled person to just go up and act, and just be a normal person or crack a joke or, or something to that effect. And, and so I, I, and I don't always feel like lobbying yourself or lobbying your visual impairment is the, is the best way to go. Sometimes just being yourself is the best way. Cause I mean, I, I often get the question, can you drive? And I go, yeah, all the way to the scene of the accident. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that yeah, sounds like I, something that's funny once. <laughs> I would, yeah, I've been, I've been asked is, I can drive, and I and I've told people who've asked. Well, anyone who thinks I should be able to drive should have their eyes checked. Fair enough. But well, I also said I wouldn't live in a country that would allow me to drive. I'd right, say, exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, no. I had an eye doctor asked me, well, is there any kind of accommodation you think that you, you could use in order to drive? And I was like, you're the doctor. You Shouldn't you know? Oh, God. And, 
and so this is when I was like 16 and, and I told, uh, I was like, yeah, I know exactly how I will never hit another car. And she goes, really what? And she seemed really excited. I said, get me a monster truck, <laughs> uh, get me a chainsaw with a, like a 25 inch bar on the front and a rotating sign. This is blind driver. I will never hit a single person <laughs> or, a, or a tank. A tank would also work. 16 i wasn't i was i mean this is literally something i came up when i was 16 my mom said well we could get you a seeing eye dog but i don't think they'd last too long if you were driving uh yeah i I don't uh, think dogs can drive also can i interject for a second because absolutely it comes to like like specific disabilities i feel like a lot of them can a lot of the issues with like accommodation can come down to people not knowing that certain disabilities just exist for example i have a yeah uh, a friend of mine has a. Uh, can I just mention? Uh, let me finish, please. Uh, a no, friend of mine has something that's generally uh, uh, that that I also sort of have just a far less extreme version of it. It is based. It is sensitivity to high pitch noises. It is exactly what it sounds like. High pitch noises cause severe discomfort and or pain when you hear them. Pretty simple oh. stuff. Uh, it is remarkably unpleasant to have. Remarkably annoying. But and the the issue with it is. It's easy-ish to solve if you just take it into account with your sound design. For but um, but uh, most, of course, most, most people most people in most places don't bother because they don't know that's a thing. Uh, for like, I think there's one gear that accommodated for that. That was uh, Metro Last Light, which allowed you to disable in the accessibility options the like uh, the like whining sound when you got hit by a flashbang. Or an explosion, like they're ringing in your ears, because oh, that nice. is the specific example of a sound that would like specifically uh, cause that sort of sound. It's something that I actually kind of have. It's not painful, but I generally dislike high pitch noises. Uh, sus- I suspect it has something to do with my, my with my uh, autism spectrum dis- disorder, disorder, or just general like hypersensitivity I have occasionally, and it's not. And, and I actually enabled that option in Last Light. Like, it didn't hurt me. It just annoyed me. But I still was better off with was better off having it shut off. Like, I'll admit, I Chris, what's the name of your uh, disability again? What's the name of your, your, your thing with your eyes? Uh, what's what's it called? It's disease. Yeah, I, I'll admit I'd never heard of that until uh, Julie talked to me. Julie told me about it. I'd never heard of it. Um, well, it's it's far more common. Like age-related macular degeneration is relatively commonplace, but uh, getting it when you're like seven, like I did, is incredibly uncommon. Ouch! So, age-related macular degeneration is actually quite common and at least marginally treatable, whereas the juvenile version is 100% not treatable. So. Uh, you, you, I've met many elderly people uh, just through the course of I had a very public-facing job for quite a while, and I ran into elderly people all the time that would come in and they're like, "Well, I have I have macular degeneration." I'm like, "Me too," and they just stared at me oddly because uh, it you know once you hit past like 65, 67, it's it's relatively commonplace. They say like one in seven people. Oh God! Uh, over the age of sixty-five, will eventually get it, and yeah. and it's livable, but it it literally will change your life, and uh, it rocks a lot of people's world. But you know, people who had my particular visual 
disability, they actually say, like, you know, you get put on suicide watch because a lot of people who end up with it, because my, my particular disease is more common uh, between the ages of like 14 and 21. And the people who do get it, they immediately put them on suicide watch because it does just absolutely it's it's an incredibly frustrating existence like i always tell people when it comes to frustration level i start that when i open my eyes i'm at 70 percent of tolerance and my other my other uh analogy that i always give is i pour out 32 ounces of give a crap in a given day and once i'm out i'm just out and i would tell that to management whenever i would go to work and just say, look, I got 32 ounces. And once that's gone, it's gone. So you use that however you want. But once it's gone, you know, you don't want to mess with me because I'm because I'm over it. And being a six foot three, 250 pounder. <laughs> that feeling I do know. <laughs> they were very uh, motivated to heed to those wishes. So... <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things that my mom dealt with all her life as far as being disabled is people around her, and I've seen this in a professional capacity, had a tendency to think she was stupid because she walked funny is how people would put it. And my response, yeah, and uh, I've dealt with this in a professional capacity, and I can't tell you how or why, but uh, my response is always the same, is my mother spent her life teaching deaf people how to speak. What did you do with your life? And a real-world example is one of my coworkers is deaf. And when she introduced herself, she said at a meeting, she said simply that, well, English is my second language. And everybody looked at her. They had no idea. And I said, seriously, I'm the only one that understands why English is her second language despite the fact that she was born here. I said, yes, her first language is American Sign Language, you imbecile. And so people sometimes are just just oblivious. And uh, I get frustrated with it, and a lot. And uh, I can get sometimes short with people because I have good friends and relatives who are disabled. You know, and some things are... Some things are totally invisible, like my PTSD. So... And yes, sometimes even video games, and that's nothing that a video game can accommodate for, but that even affects my gaming sometimes. There are some subjects in some games I just, I can't play because it's a trigger. It's fair. So would we all, would we all say that gaming in general is getting better at being accommodating to, to people with a yes, variety but. of disabilities? Okay. Yeah. But... But baby steps, baby steps uh, forward. Okay. okay, okay. Can I say, I sure. feel like there is a, there are two separate issues. There are those who want to who make games a lot more uh, a lot more uh, accessible, and then there's the weird and un and difficult to understand pushback against it. Uh, and I feel like that's why I say yes, but because obviously there are a lot more accessibility options in your average game that there were in. 1986 uh but 
There are also a lot more people who are angry at those options for some reason. I don't understand that at all. I'm going to be honest. I don't understand. I mean, don't, this is a joyful hobby. Don't we want to, don't we want more people to experience that joy? I, I, I don't understand how you could push back against allowing more people to experience the joy that video games provides. I, I just the don't get it. Is, is gatekeeping. It's gatekeeping is the reason why. Maybe that's it. it I don't understand they, gatekeeping. They want to, <laughs> right. It, it, the mindset is they want to feel like they did something special. And because they did it, they want to be the only ones who can have accomplished that. And anyone else has to be on their level if they want to accomplish that too. But that's Which is dumb. Like a strange mindset. It's it dumb. Is. Well, it makes no sense to me. There is a modern mindset that that I find very frustrating, and because it it kind of leads to a greater societal issue. But a lot of the people that gatekeep this kind of stuff is because they because they purchased it, and they they're playing this game. They associate that with their identity, so mm. everything becomes a personal attack. And you see this with a lot of things, whether it be if, if, if they chose to go to the movie theater to see that movie, they have to rash that, that, that choice is a part of their identity. So if you disliked that movie, it's a personal attack. If you buy a video game and then somebody says something negative about the developer, say they are abusing their employees or something, well, that they view that as a personal attack because they chose to buy that video game. They can't disassociate themselves with their things. Mm. And I it, it kind of leads into the societal issue where the products define you. And I don't know when that started to happen, that, that materialistic mm. thought that that the objects you own are a part of you. I think that's... So therefore, people attacking the product are attacking you. And that's where you get a lot of that pushback. And, and so I think we should kill marketing people. That's that's my... <laughs> now, there is a tribalistic mindset yeah. that goes along with it. it it's I a very tribalistic mindset. I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I said that jokingly, kind of. Uh, because I do feel that marketing, I mean, everything is marketing now. And uh, they have successfully gotten people to identify with the product. They they jump on the hype train. It's that that becomes a part of their well, narrative. Well, I think for it's, their lives. I think it's because people lack the nuance to separate the thing with their own identity. Like one I, thing I will say. Uh, you're making it sound like it's a recent issue. It is. It's not nuts. a recent. It's a capitalistic issue that's been around for years. It, it's yeah. an or issue that I would argue is inherent with consumerism, and consumerism predates World War One. Yeah, it's not. It's not a new thing, yes. but it's well, it's getting worse. It's more prevalent is, in the modern is. age as far as communication. There is more communication, so there's more of it. I mean, if if you yeah. have a small community where telephones are the only means of communication and somebody attacks the fact that you bought bounty paper towels, you're going to have a scuff with that one person. <laughs> if you're on Twitter, it's a completely different book. That's what I'm saying. It's exacerbated uh, by, yeah. I'm not saying that it originates remember, there. Remember when computers and smartphones became a thing and we're like, yay, we're all going to have access to more information. And now it's, oh no, we have access to more information. Well, <laughs> okay. 
Can you know what? This on a literary note. Are we? There was a uh, <laughs> no, no, but well, the tangent because uh, because I, because I was because there is a big lecture uh, in Poland. I won't go, go into detail, but one of the characters in it is a like it was written in like the late 18th century, like sorry, 19th late 19th century. But one of the characters in it is a professor who has invented flying metal, and his belief was that uh, once humans learn to fly, they will fly up into the sky and see that borders are meaningless and stop being mad at each other. Oh, no. No, that's not what they'll <laughs> say at all. No, that's... that's <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on the off chance you're not, you're not aware, uh, the right flyer was invented, uh, was invented about uh, four years after that book, and World War I happened 11 years after. <laughs> oh, God. That's a good point. <laughs> well, you know, as far as capital, you know, the capital reasons that Brian had mentioned, and I have seen this in a professional capacity, is the Americans with Disability Act has been able to shove accommodations down people's throats professionally that otherwise would refuse to do so and that has enabled many people to be able to say look you're going to accommodate this because it's a reasonable accommodation and we don't care if you like it or not and i think what we need is some equivalent in the game development industry of the americans with disability act and i know Mm. it's going to add a a cost of the game I'll pay I'll a little pay extra it. money. I'll, I'll pay, pay it. it. Absolutely. And I think we need that because I've seen this in the private sector. And in many cases, this is the only way I have seen business people add in accommodations because the law forces them to do it, whereas decades ago they would not have. When did the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act, when did that, does anyone know when that um, took effect? I don't remember. According to my very extensive research of Google search, uh, 
what I've seen on a professional basis is a lot of it is about money. People don't want to do you put the money into the accommodation. And sometimes in the private industry, people like me are in a position to say, no, you know, it's not something that you want to do, but something that you've got to do. And also, I think a lot of people, like Brian was surprised about 1990, a lot of people don't realize how recent some changes in the law were, case in point, until last year, equal employment opportunity didn't apply to me. I was considered exempt. Uh, well, I guess progress happens slowly, but at least it's happening, I guess. Uh, Florida, I, I think the physical world that, that I, am, I am forced to inhabit with has gotten a little friendlier. But still, when I talk to people that have, like, anytime I dealt with any form of management or somebody who was in charge of me nominally, that was always, I always ended up having to train them. And that's the way I looked at it. it there was no malice. There was just ignorance. And I can forgive ignorance. I can't forgive malice. Uh, but, I mean, I would get some pretty pretty hurtful questions like why aren't you on disability why are you here what and my response to that was ask me that again and we're gonna have a problem and oh my god and they 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 didn't even well i mean it wasn't from malice they just honestly you know didn't understand why i would want to have gainful employment because you want to be they, a contributing member of society like any right, right. But, person? They, but they don't see it that way. Oh, God. Well, even the government didn't like that. They're just oh. when it, it's because whenever I did finally, like my back was, was shot. My knees were shot and, uh, they had, you know, technologically moved on without ADA of obviously. Um, and I was just ready to go home. My, I was, I was literally having to do 45 minutes of stretching exercises just to get out of bed in the morning Oh, wow. uh, because of how much pain I was in. Uh, and, I, you know, it was a young man's job and I was like 43. You know, it was just not, it, it was beyond me to do that job anymore. And so whenever I contacted uh, Disability, their first question was, well, I don't know if you qualify, you have too much work history. What? <laughs> like really? What? Seriously? I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry that I tried to stay off the dole. I, you know, I apologize that you want to punish me because I was trying not to suck on the government's, you know, uh, 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 teat, so to speak. Uh, and because I was trying to not do that, you're you're going to try to deny me service. Um, and, and I, and of course, you know, on disability, you get denied the first time. It doesn't matter if you're a floating head, uh, and you have no body, they would deny you, deny you the first time saying you're perfectly able-bodied. And in my appeal, I was like, well, a, you didn't even have me assessed by an eye doctor. Um, and B, please don't punish me for trying to be a, a, a you know, useful member of society for 20 years. And and they did approve it the second time, but that and that's within the government that's supposed to be you know ADA compliant and all those sorts of things. 
But I mean, it, and it's important to note that the world doesn't hate people with disabilities. They just have no experience. And so on some level, I felt that, you know, I used to be a very angry young man. I felt like the whole world was out to get me. And that's just not true. And it took me a long time to realize that the, the world that the physical world that exists is you know, not made for people like me. And so it's the onus is at least partially upon me to make that world friendly for myself and others. And so with that perspective, I've and I don't do that because the you know the world doesn't deserve my my frustration. I do that so that I do not frustrate myself and lead myself to an early grave uh, through anger and frustration for no reason. And I think if we could all have that level of tolerance of of people who do not share your opinion or we're at odds with, if we could just realize that maybe those people do not have our same experience and we can listen to what they have to say and then come to accommodation with each other one-on-one every day and we all do that together, maybe the gaming sphere and the greater world would be a slightly better place. I agree, but there... As there's a distinct lack of empathy in this world today, and uh, I would drop the microphone if mine wasn't was, wasn't so expensive. Opinion: <laughs> 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 If if there's some people that just can't be reached, and so those people should be mocked horrendously. <laughs> That's why trolling exists, is for people that are intransigent. But you know, if if. There's somebody who's willing to take an appeal or and somebody who's willing to give an appeal. We can round up the rest of them. You know, all we need is a majority. The problem with that is this. And what I've dealt with on a professional basis is there are some people and, you know, I've had people just absolutely despise me for decades. And then after 20 years of holding the door for this bigot. When I walk through, finally one day the person holds the door back for me. And, but that is not always the case. And in some cases, when people are unreachable, what happens, and there was a Harvard professor that talked about this uh, all out aggression becomes microaggression, and it is no less hurtful. Yeah, fully agree. And that's the weird thing about hostility is some people don't even realize those microaggressions are microaggressions or they deny that, well, that's not what I meant to say. Uh, Well, if that's not what you meant to say, then maybe you should try rephrasing it next time or maybe rethink before you speak. I mean, I would say, do you call it those microaggressions all the time? But that just sounds exhausting. And then doesn't that just and then (laughs) doesn't that just put the onus on you for calling it out rather than the person doing it? You know, yeah, for white knighting. There, on a personal basis, how I have dealt with it is, I have corrected people, I have ignored people, but sometimes it reaches a certain level, and I won't go into the story. It's a long one where I finally said, look, 
I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. It's become open hostility, and I filed a sexual harassment complaint, and that resolved it. But there are some people, no matter how many times you correct them, will keep on calling you dirty names, will keep on harassing you. There are people who call me the equivalent of the N-word on a daily basis. And, you know, if you confront them about that, you'll say, oh, I didn't mean that. Oh, I didn't mean that. Well, then why have you been saying it for the last, every day for the last 10 years, despite that I've corrected you? And as much as I would like to round up people like that and take them behind the barn, unfortunately, (laughs) that's not an option. So all you can do is do what Chris is, you know, it's like, do your best to adjust the way you act you can react to the world and then sometimes try and get a reasonable accommodation. That's true. You only have control over yourself. True. So, Make, make yourself ultimately the best does, you eat. Huh? Yeah. It, I was going to say, ultimately, it does come down to being seen. Being seen enough that this is not a disability. This is, a, this is something that a lot of people are dealing with. Therefore, it's normalized. And then other people who don't have that disability know how to deal with it. And it takes time. Yeah. It takes so much time and effort. But ultimately, because everyone who lives will eventually have some sort of disability if they live long enough, this matters. Yeah. And if, if it's a little step here or there, fine. But it's got to be a step forward. There has to be. Because we're not going to get anywhere unless people are, are taking these things into account. And if one mind gets changed every day, fine. Make it one mind and then go from there. The, I feel like it's really important that being morally upright, you know, if, if you have standards, live up to those standards yeah. uh, because nothing undermines your cause more than not living up to your own standards. And, and you will generate a level of respect if you're social, socially consistent with your values. And I think that's where, because uh, people will cotton on to that, and you will get a groundswell of support. Like, if you, if you are sitting in the comments or a forum for a video game developer, and you consistently, logically, and, and behave like an adult when you're requesting for something specific, and other people support you, and you don't engage the trolls, and you just keep hammering on fighting the good fight, don't get off on a tangent, and just continue to hammer home what it is that you want to see, then I think that is far more useful than being the loudest. You don't have to be the loudest. People respond to consistency. They respond to people who are willing to give mutual respect. And I think that is the way forward. And I, I think subtly in some ways in certain corners of the internet, that is becoming, uh, there, there has been a groundswell of that pervading the cultural zeitgeist. So as long as you're just, you do all of those things, good things will eventually happen, but you have to stay consistent and persistent and, and good things will come and you will gain support 
one way or another. I wanted to uh, comment on something that Spaz said just now. And uh, that, and here's a real world example. The Buddhist order I belong to, the founder's son was disabled. He had a physical disability. And this young man died very young in his life. But he had a very large effect on the world around him in Japan. And he once said that if I can, if I can, the way he put it, if I can save one person, he meant change one person's mind, then my life has had meaning. That said, however, where I work, I am basically a minority of one, and I have been a trailblazer for over a quarter of a century. And I've reached the point where I'm just tired of it. And I finally said, that's it, reasonable accommodation. And if I don't get that, we're going to see you in court. And if I have to take it to the Supreme Court, I will. I'm, I, I'm, I understand what Chris said, but I'm just tired. You know, I get tired of the microaggression. You get tired of the outright aggression. You know, you get tired of the people who give you outright bigotry. And I said, you know, sweetie pie, I was doing this job before you even existed. And but yet you get tired of that sometimes. And I know my mom who had cerebral palsy, she got tired of the way people taught her. You saw her. They'd see her walk and they think she's stupid. I said, this woman teaches deaf people how to speak. What is your problem? You know, one of the, one of the, look at Stephen Hawking, one of the greatest minds in this last century, he was disabled. What, where would our world be without that man's massive intellect? And I know this is a touchy subject for me, but it's just, and yes, we've already had a call out in this, this stream for another show uh, about this particular subject. And I, yes, I admit it. I go off on all kinds of tangents when this subject is raised. It's fine. I mean, we, should talk about these things. We're going to have a separate show and representation at some point where we can also um, talk further about all this. Oh man, because I'm qualified to do that. <laughs> but uh, I think this, uh, I, I think we could start wrapping up unless anyone has anything that they'd like to, uh, to end on. Yes. I want to thank Chris for coming on the show. Yes. Thank and you. A lot of people who have something like Star Guards like his wouldn't be so willing to come forward. And I know someone else who has Star Guards that would not have been willing to come forward. And I'm glad he is uh, a voice in the wilderness, so to speak. So, so to speak. So, bravo, Chris. Yes, thank you, Chris, well, well, for, for coming out. Well, thanks for having me. And I've I've never shied at shouting into the void. <laughs> Sometimes the void shouts back, you know. I think we all, I think if enough of some us, of us, some of us live in the void. <laughs> I mean, this, this whole podcast is about living in the void. So uh, I think if, I think if that. enough of us shout in the void, we'll start being seen and heard. So well, Chris is such a knowledgeable person. And I better be careful because you'll replace me with him. But Chris is such a knowledgeable person on many subjects on our other show. No prisoners. There have been many days when I just have to bring up a subject I have four, and I just said, Chris, go, and he fills up the whole hour. And I said, wow, really smart guy. Please uh, don't replace me. What's the name of that podcast again so folks can go subscribe to it? 
No prisoners, no mercy. And yes, sadly, the only place it is is on Apple Podcasts because I'm either too lazy or too stupid to put it someplace else. Well, I mean, it's 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 all based on RSS feeds, so I I should be able to find it. Um, but if not, we'll talk about that. Um, but folks, I that- uh, throw in here. Uh, there's there's one thing I wanted to also mention here uh, before we go. go there is a charity called Able Gamers. Brian and uh, I have yes. raised money for them before. Yes. And yes. what they do is they make custom controllers so that people with certain disabilities are able to game. Yeah, they they are good people. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, definitely check them out. That's going to do it for uh, this week, folks. Next week, we're going to have a guest. We're welcoming back the developer of uh, Star Dynasties. They just had a big DLC drop. Oh, I found your podcast, Julie, on my uh, Android app. That's the one with the angry-looking nun on the front. Yeah, yeah, video game podcast, edgy, dodgy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, I'll subscribe. Um, so you don't need to be on Apple to find that podcast. Um. Anyway, uh, so yeah, next week we're going to talk to the we're going to welcome back the developer of Star Dynasties. They just dropped a big DLC for that game that adds a ton of stuff. So uh, we're definitely going to welcome back Glenn. Very excited about that. And tomorrow we'll see you for more Red Storm Rising. Uh, maybe this time America won't be taken over by the USSR. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> a lot of weight on my shoulders with that game. Uh, but I want to thank, we had a great chat today. I want to thank everyone in the chat for, uh, being so great today. Very active chat today. Chris, again, thank you so much for coming on, talking about your experiences. Uh, very good. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure. And, uh, I just want to wrap up by saying what we always try to say here. If you can, my friends, please get vaccinated. If you haven't already and you can, please, for the love of God, or gods, or whoever, you know, or whatever, <laughs> please. Respective deity of choice. Yes, whatever, or not, if you don't have one. Uh, for the love of the universe, uh, please get vaccinated. <laughs> for the love of your fellow human, please get vaccinated. Uh, with that, we will bid you goodbye. Have a great day. Be safe. Be well. Please take care of each other, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. All right.